This is the Italian American Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping Italian Americans learn about their heritage. We talk to experts, authors, and everyday Italian Americans on all things Italian from traditions, culture, food, genealogy, travel, and more. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is a special episode of the Italian American Podcast where we are going to feature you, our listener. And you'll hear some listener stories that were recorded and submitted through our website at italianamericanpodcast.com. This is something that we feel strongly about doing is including you as the listener as part of this podcast because we're all Italian-Americans. We all have our own different traditions and values and sharing them is one of the reasons that we created this avenue for you to do so. We really enjoyed the amazing feedback that we received from our interview with Franco Harris in our last episode, episode number 26. By the time this episode will be published on Sunday morning, Dolores and I will have hopefully met Franco at the National Italian American Gala, where he will be an honoree. So speaking of the National Italian American Foundation, before we jump into our listener stories, we'd like to offer a brief word from our sponsor, NIAF. I'm John Viola president of the National Italian American Foundation, proud supporters of the Italian American podcast. At NEF, we know there's nothing more important than family, so we invite you to be part of ours. We work to protect our great heritage, promote the Italian language, build stronger ties between Italy and the United States, and serve as your voice in our nation's capital. Most importantly, our scholarships provide young Italian Americans help in earning a solid education. To find out more about how your support serves the community, Visit us online at www.niaf.org and become part of the NIAF family today. All right, so you're about to hear three very interesting and inspirational stories from our listeners in our main segment of the show today. And then in our stories segment at the end of the episode, I'm going to close this one out by talking a little bit about losing a loved one, which has been something that both Dolores and I have dealt with recently. Here's a quote that's going to carry us into the interview, and we may have even used this quote before, but it's just so relevant to this episode, I wanted to use it again, and I will test out my <laughs> very basic Italian and read it in Italian and then give you the English translation. Chi si volta e chi si gira, sempre a casa va finire. That means no matter where you go or turn, you will always end up home. All right, time for our main segment where you're going to hear three stories from our listeners, all very touching about growing up Italian, experiences they had. The first one is from Dina, who talks about how a tribal Indian college president inspired her to reconnect with her family and her ancestral language. Hi, my name is Dina Horwadell, and I'm a third-generation Italian-American. My great-grandfather migrated to the United States from Calabria in 1910. When I was a young girl, he used to tell me, go to school, don't be a dumbbell like me. And he would tell me that he came to the United States so that I could have better opportunities than he had. I took him at his word, and I went on to college and then law school, where I studied American Indian law. Today, I work for the American Indian College Fund. I was speaking once with a tribal college president who was working to preserve his language and he told me it was very important for me to learn my ancestral language because he said English is the language of your head and of commerce, but your ancestral language is the language of your heart and of your soul. 
So in 2013, armed with my great-grandfather's birth certificate, I went to Italy to find his ancestral village. We landed in a town near Oriolo, where my great-grandfather came from, on Halloween night. Unfortunately, we didn't know that the next day, All Saints Day, is a holiday in Italy, and there wouldn't be any trains or any buses running up to the village. We were able, fortunately, to communicate with the hotel manager through hand signals and some broken Italian. And after only five telephone calls, he struck gold and reached my grandfather's cousin. After he convinced her that we weren't backpackers seeking free lodging, she told him to send us up the next day. He found us a ride and we met my cousin's son on the piazza the very next day. We toured the village, all in Italian, but somehow we managed to understand each other. And then he took me back to meet the family. After cookies, cake, dinner, and lots of laughter, we were welcomed into the fold. Since then, I've been back to Italy six or seven times to spend time with all of my cousins. I've learned Italian, although I don't speak it as well as I would like to. But I can tell you this, I do speak the language of my heart and of my soul. Dr. Little Bear was right. I feel like I have gained something that I had lost over the years with the death of my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my aunt and my uncle, and my mother. I've gained part of my family back and I've gained my ancestry back. And I think it is a beautiful thing in, at the end of the day that an American Indian man from whom so much was taken gave me the gift of my ancestry and my family. Thank you. What a touching story that was, wasn't it? And being that I recently learned Italian and spent time in Italy finding my relatives, I agree with Dina and with the tribal college president in that your ancestral language is really important to who you are. And for me, even though it's only been a year of learning Italian, it feels so very natural to me. It really does, just talking the language, speaking the language, reading the language. My grandmother did speak it when I was a child, but I never really remembered much or learned anything. But when you hear it and when you get into it, you kind of know that it's for you. So, Dina, thank you for sharing your story with us. All right, next you're going to hear from Amadeo and how his elementary school teacher wouldn't call him by his own name. When I was about 11 years old, I moved from New York to California. I was in sixth grade, and when I went to class, my first day of class, there were names on the um, desks. And my name is Amadeo, and the name on the desk was Joseph. And I said to the teacher, my first name is Amadeo. She said, there's no way that a parent would name their child Amadeo. So I didn't want to get into an argument with the teacher because we were always taught to respect the teachers in our household. So I went by Joseph for a long period of time up until the first open house. And my mother went to the open house to talk to the teacher. And um, the teacher said, where's Amadeo's desk? And she said, Amadeo? We don't have an Amadeo. Amadeo Loria. Oh, you mean Joseph. <laughs> So my mother came home and we squared that all away. So now everybody who knew me from sixth grade in San Diego still calls me Joseph to this very day. So it's kind of funny, but uh, just amazing that a teacher would do that. She was a nice lady, but I just think it was one of those things where they just uh, didn't understand. Now, I just want to say Amadeo is laughing a bit when he tells his story 
And at this point in time, it does sound a bit comical and funny, and we can kind of all laugh about it. But just imagine Amadeo in that moment, years ago, as a young child in a classroom, as nerve-wracking as it is for children when they start a new class at a young age, now in front of an entire class, the teacher is insulting your name, and then essentially your family. And that's just one example of what many of our ancestors went through. And we even had one of our listeners share on a recent episode in our Italian-American story segment, a very similar story about their grandmother and how she had the same thing happen to her. So Amadeo, thank you so much for sharing that with us. All right, next you will hear from Virginia, a first-generation Italian-American, and she talks about the closeness of an Italian family and what Italian parents can do for a family. Hello there. My name is Virginia Mastriani. I live in Santa Monica, California. I am first-generation American. Yes, ma'am. My mother was born in Campochiato, Italy, which is a village in Molise, population 467. She lived there until she was 13, moved to Winnipeg, moved to New York, and now we're out in California, except that she's in heaven. My mother baked. Everything was homemade. We never bought TV dinners, ever. We weren't allowed. My mother made homemade bread, homemade gnocchi, homemade cavatelli, stuffed shells, manicotte, you name it. My mother sewed all of her own clothes and my clothes. We actually had matching clothing as, as a, when I was a child. So she'd make a beautiful red dress and I would have the same as an 11-year-old. My mother was like maybe in her 40s at the time. So we were very close. It was me and my mother and my brother. And I think the closeness is significant for an Italian family, no matter what, no matter how much we kick and scream. Two seconds later, after an argument, boom, we kiss and hug. We, we get angry, we get over it very fast, which is good. The passion for food, the passion for literature. My brother was a jazz pianist. I'm a comedian. My son, now 22, is an actor. So the arts are a big deal to us. My mother was very, very, very passionate. And I embrace all of that. And I'm moving to Italy in six months, permanently. So I love being Italian. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Virginia. A beautiful story about passion and Italian-Americans. And by the way, buon viaggio. I hope you enjoyed these stories. You can leave your stories at italianamericanpodcast.com. Just click the red Tell Your Story button on the right side of the website and record your story. You have up to three minutes, and I know, as Italians, three minutes isn't necessarily enough for us to express ourselves and get our story out. So if you need more time, just stop the recording at three minutes and then refresh and start again, and you could do another three minutes, and we'll receive both files. All right, with that, let's jump into our Italian-American stories segment. It's now time for the Italian-American Stories segment of the episode. This is the part of the show where we try to bring you back to your family gatherings and conversations. We try to play a recording or a story from one of our listeners or our own relatives or even read something that a listener submitted. Today I'm going to touch on the topic of losing a close relative. But before I do that, I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this segment, Select Italy. Select Italy is the ultimate source for travel to Italy and offers a wide array of superior Italian travel products and services, including customized itineraries, fascinating tours, romantic getaways, 
unique and fun culinary classes, yacht charters, transportation, hotel reservations, villa bookings, tickets for museums and musical events, and more. So in today's segment, you will hear from my grandma, Joe, who we haven't heard from in a while. She was the inspiration for this podcast, and we played some of her stories early on in some of the earlier podcast episodes. But before we get to that, I want to touch on the idea of losing a loved one since my grandma, Joe, recently lost her husband of 65 years, my grandfather, Sal, who I have written about on the blog. And she's very lonely now, but we do visit her, of course, on a very regular basis and try to keep her spirits up. However, last week, Dolores actually wrote an article on our website about her father who died eight years ago. The article was titled, Learning to Hold On to Who We Are When We Lose Those Who Made Us Who We Are. It was a very inspirational article, as most of Dolores' articles are. And she talked a lot in the article about how her father was really, he really lived his life for others, which is great in today's society. We don't always get to do that, not on purpose, but a lot of times because of all the pressures and stress associated with working, we need to work, we need to go out and do things, and and we need to focus on ourselves and in an effort to hopefully help other people. But it was just different then. And if you read Dolores's article, you'll get a better understanding of the sentiment there. But also she talked a lot about the values that her father instilled in her and how it has really shaped her as a person as a professional and still does to this day and will continue to do so, even though he's been gone for eight years. It was just so strong. And she talked about, you know, hopefully be able to continue to do that. If she has kids and raises them with the same, same ideas, same values, same mentality. She also got into being there for her mother after her father passed, which was also a touching part of the article. And you can see her kind of touching to our whole family. So it's a topic that, you know, we've both been thinking about, and it's something that is important, I think, obviously, for everyone. Hopefully, you haven't had to experience it as much, but I think we all have to at some point in life. So now we're going to listen to a short story from my grandma, Joe, where she talks about actually St. Rita, why the name Rita is so common in our family. It's my mother's name, my grandmother's sister's name. And towards the end of the story, she references finding my grandfather, which kind of brings us to this point. The clip is going to start where she is already talking about St. Rita, and she's actually talking about how St. Rita's sons were plotting to kill a man. So she prayed at night to ask God to stop her sons, even if he had to take them. So being she so was so St. Rita's sons were going to kill the man. Right. Being she was so religious, she said, Dear God, please, don't ever let them commit such a sin. Please, if you got to take them, take them in the middle of the night. This is how religious she was. Oh, she God. And you know what? They both died. They got a, some kind of a flu. And they were both dead. They couldn't avenge their father's killers. And she wound up going into a convent. And she became a nun. And she became a, a, a saint of miracles, they called her. So when I was very little, I had eczema all on my arm, from here to here, from here to here. And 87 years ago, they didn't even know what eczema was. And my mother used to go and have them put the relic, used to go to a novena on my arm and pray, St. Rita, please, if I ever have another child, I'll name her Rita. Sure enough, I got rid of my eczema. I, 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 I got stronger. I was always a sick child. So my mother had a change of life, baby. She was born in 1937. My mother was pushing 40. 
And that's how she named Linda Rita. Now when Uncle Pio went to war, Aunt Rose and him were dating. And she made the novena to St. Rita, if you make my husband come back from the war, if I ever have a child, I will call her Rita. And Rita Barnes. And then when I went to make a novena, because I was engaged to be married for three years, and I was about six months from the altar, and my boyfriend jilted me. And, uh, and I went to St. Rita, I was heartbroken. I mean, you go out with a guy three years, you know. And I prayed to St. Rita, and I said, St. Rita, if you ever make me meet a nice guy, and I have a baby, and I get married, I'll call him Rita. Now, all the girls in the neighborhood used to go make this novena, but we had to go blocks and blocks and blocks from 152nd to 148th. And every one of us in that neighborhood, in my era, had a Rita. All right, so that was my grandma, Joe. And again, that was kind of a try to be more of an uplifting story segment, remembering about all the different traditions that Italians had as Catholics and some of the things that they did and prayed for and still do. But again, I think the overarching theme that I, I wanted to kind of get out there is to think about the impact that you have on raising your children on keeping traditions going in your family so that it gets passed on. Even though, for example, my kids are young and a lot of the same traditions aren't there, there's still inherent values that are there that we can pass down and all because of our ancestors and the struggles they went through to preserve those values and to continue them even though they changed their entire lives in so many different ways. All right, so before we sign off here, I would like to recognize our sponsor again for this segment, Select Italy. Everything you need for optimum travel to Italy is possible with Select Italy. Their helpful travel planners in Chicago, New York, and Shanghai are always ready to give the best advice on when and where to visit, while the Florence support staff is there to help should you need anything while you are in Italy. The company recently expanded its offerings and services to the Balkans with the launch of Select Croatia. Visit SelectItaly.com and Select Croatia. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Italian American podcast with a feature on our listener because you do drive the podcast. Please go to ItalianAmericanPodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter and you will get new episodes delivered to your inbox and also new resources that we've created. We already have one resource there from when Dolores jarred tomatoes with her family recently. We've got a couple other ones that we're working on that we'll have there soon. This is a subscriber only bonuses that we send out. And also our new store is live on the ItalianAmericanPodcast.com. And some of you sent us photos of wearing your t-shirts, Prima La Familia, and they look great. So thanks for doing that. Lastly, don't forget to check us out on social media. On Facebook, we are the Italian American Podcast. On Twitter, we are at ItalAmerican. That's I-T-A-L American. And on Instagram, we are Italian American. Ci vediamo.